Good evening, everyone. My name is Marty Shaw, and welcome back to a new episode of Murders and Mysteries of New England. I don't really have an introduction for this case, aside from follow us on Instagram at MurdersMysteriesNE, or you can email us at MurdersAndMysteriesOfNE at gmail.com. Both of those will be in the description. In case, for whatever reason, I have them wrong, I would follow the description's uh, information rather than this episode's information. But aside from that, let's get into the case with the murder of Molly Bish. I don't know how I came across this case, but I did come across it and I found it to be really interesting, so I wanted to do an episode on that. Just a quick warning to my listeners, this episode does contain topics of sexual assault. More specifically, mentions of rape. If you or someone you know is in an abusive situation, please reach out to a trusted friend, family member, or medical professional. No one deserves abuse, and no one deserves the trauma that comes with abuse. So without much further ado, sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Molly Bish. Molly was a 16-year-old American girl that disappeared from rural Worcester County, Massachusetts. She, more specifically, lived in Warren, Massachusetts, and disappeared while working as a lifeguard. Her remains were found three years later, so on June 9th of 2003, in the neighboring Hampden County, Massachusetts. I'm going to give you just a little bit of information about Warren. It's located in Worcester County, and it's about 68.9 miles, or 110.88 kilometers, from the capital, Boston, Massachusetts. So, let's get a little bit into the disappearance. Molly began working as a lifeguard in the summer of 2000. So, this is her first time working as a lifeguard, first season working as a lifeguard, and she worked at the Commons Pond in Warren. The day before her disappearance, so June 26th, her mother, Maggie Bish, saw a mustached man in a white sedan parked in the lot of the beach. The mustached man in the white sedan was parked where Molly's lifeguard post was located at the Commons Pond. And at the time, despite seeming suspicious, Maggie thought nothing of this person until after Molly's disappearance. Which, I'm going to take a quick moment here just to say, if you see something, say something. Doesn't matter what you may be thinking, if your gut is saying something is suspicious, say something about the suspiciousness. Because, best case scenario, nothing comes of it and it was just one big misunderstanding. Worst case scenario, whatever suspicious activity or suspicious person is in the area, might actually be really suspicious and you'd have and there may be more that would have to be done but anyways tangent over on june 27th so the day of the disappearance maggie dropped molly off near her lifeguard station 
Maggie saw no sign of this stranger or his car from the day before. But another witness reported that he had seen a mustached man matching the stranger's description in the Ponds parking lot minutes before Molly arrived. So what I'm getting from this is that the other witness had saw this man in his white sedan near the lifeguard station. The sedan drives off to wherever right before Molly gets there. Why this person in the sedan is at the lifeguard station? No clue. I couldn't find anything about it. But a local worker had reported that he had also seen a similar white sedan parked at a cemetery connected to the pond by a path. So if you look at a map from the Commons Pond in Warren, there's a path that connects to a local cemetery right next to the pond. And this is where the white sedan was parked at. Several hours later, police had contacted Molly's parents to inform them that no lifeguard had been on duty all day. Maggie knows that Mo she dropped Molly off at the lifeguard station that morning, but when the police call and say there's no lifeguard at the station and hasn't been there all day, I'm pretty sure Maggie is wondering, what happened? Where's Molly? What did she do? Where'd she go off to? Which Molly's belongings had been left unintended at the station makes it even more confusing. Where would Molly go where she wouldn't take her stuff with her? An extensive search for Molly was immediately launched after her parents had found out that Molly was missing. This extensive search was to become the largest and most expensive search for a missing person ever undertaken in Massachusetts. Which boggles my mind a little bit, but in a good way, in that there's this child, basically, that has gone missing. We don't know where she is, we don't know what happened, we have no footage of or anything of the case. And so, Massachusetts puts all of their time and resources into finding this person. Which, it boggles my mind a little bit, but in a good way in that Massachusetts saw the urgency of this missing person and wanted to put as much time and resources into finding this missing person as they could. The case was profiled on numerous American television shows, which included Disappeared, Unsolved Mysteries, and America's Most Wanted. America's Most Wanted actually kind of surprised me a little bit, only because I, my understanding of the show is that they're looking for people that have done something wrong and are on the run for it. But also, since I don't really have that much of an understanding of America's Most Wanted, I'd imagine they have segments where they showcase missing person cases and ask the public to help them find these missing people. In the late fall of 2002, so about two years later, a hunter had saw a blue bathing suit in the woods of Palmer, Massachusetts. More specifically, these are the Whiskey Hill Woods. And the blue bathing suit was actually similar to the one Molly wore. May of 2003, so another year later, the hunter mentioned the blue bathing suit to Tim McGuigan. Which, I'm going to take a step back here, and I'm just going to repeat what I said earlier. 
If you see something, say something. Doesn't matter how big or small this piece of information is, it can really turn a case majorly from it being unsolved, like this case is, to being solved. Just simply based on one person seeing something that looked out of place and just bringing it up. So, once again, doesn't matter how big or how small this piece of information is, if you see something, say something. McGuigan had contacted the police about this, and an intense search of the area located Molly's body. Why the hunter decided not to call the police and have McGuigan call the police, I'm not 100% sure, but... Molly's body was found on June 9th of 2003, so almost three years later after she had gone missing. She was found five miles, or eight kilometers, from her family home in Warren. And her skeletal remains were actually found. There was no actual body, it was just skeletal remains. The cause of death could not be determined at the time, but investigators presumed Molly was murdered and her remains were buried in the Whiskey Hill woods. This is where the investigation kind of gets a little goofy is probably the best way to put it. Um, in that the crime scene was actually destroyed. Um... The state police detectives unit was not notified about the discovery until later in the day. And by that point, the crime scene had either been cleaned up or someone came in and messed some stuff up. So now they don't really have a lot of DNA evidence to go off of. Molly's death was also seen as a drowning, not as a murder at the, in the initial investigation. In 2005, a Connecticut resident who was charged with attempted kidnapping in Connecticut was briefly under investigation in connection with Molly's murder and disappearance. I'm not 100% sure who this Connecticut resident is because I couldn't find a lot of information about who this person was, nor could I find more information about the attempted kidnapping in Connecticut. But also, I didn't really look too much into it just because I couldn't, from what I, my sources say, they never mentioned who this Connecticut person was. But in 2009, a new suspect was actually investigated. His name was Rodney Stanger, who was a Florida resident convicted of murdering his girlfriend. He lived in Southbridge, Massachusetts for more than 20 years. And a year after Molly was murdered, not sure if this was 2003 when her body was found, 2000 when she went missing, or somewhere in between then, Stanger had actually moved to Florida. I'm not sure if he moved to Florida after Molly was murdered and then was convicted of murdering his girlfriend, or if he was convicted of murdering his girlfriend and then moved to Florida. I believe it's the first way around, not the second way, based off of how the system works. But after the murder of Crystal Morrison, 
who was Stanger's girlfriend for 20 years, Morrison's sister actually alerted the Massachusetts authorities. Uh, just a little information. Crystal Morris was dating Stanger for 20 years, was murdered, and Stanger was sentenced to 25 years in prison for the stabbing death in 2008 of Crystal. He was known to have access to a white car, which was similar to the one seen the day before Molly's disappearance by Maggie, Molly's mother, and was known to fish in the Commons Pond and hunt in the woods where Molly, Molly's body would, to, would be found. Stanger closely matched the description provided by Maggie Bish of the man seen in the white sedan the day before Molly's disappearance. However, despite the connections and despite the close resemblance, Stanger has not officially been charged in this case. In the same year, so 2009, while Stanger was being investigated for the murder of Molly, he was also questioned in the connection to the 1993 murder of Holly Piernan. Little information about Holly Piernan. Holly went missing in Sturbridge, Massachusetts, and Holly and Molly were actually the same age in 1993. We're also going to get a little, we're also going to do an episode on the murder of Holly Piernan, actually which will be released at some point at the, by the end of this year. Molly had wrote a letter of hope to Holly's parents in 1993 when the murder of Holly was shown in the news. The letter, here's an, here's an ex, excerpt from the letter. Quote, I am very sorry. I wish I could make it up to you. Holly is a very pretty girl. She is almost as tall as me. I wish I knew Holly. I hope they find her. This was written by Molly at the age of 10. Which is the same age that Holly was when she was murdered. Now, Stanger, even though he was also questioned in connection to the murder of Mo Holly, he was also not charged in this case. In November 2011, so two years after Stanger was identified as a person of interest in this case, another suspect was named in Molly's death. His name, and excuse my pronunciation, was Gerald Battistoni, also known as Confidential Informant Number 62 for the Eastern Hamden County Narcotic Task Force. Battistoni was serving time in prison for repeatedly raping a teenage girl in the early 1990s. He attempted suicide in prison after newspaper articles identified him as a potential suspect in both Molly's and Holly's deaths. Battistoni had a criminal record dating back to, the, to 1980, was seen in the area where Molly's body was found, and resembled a composite sketch of the man Maggie saw in the parking lot. Battistoni was named a potential suspect by private detective Dan Malley of Massachusetts. After being named as a suspect, Detective Malley and the Bish family asked for DNA testing to be done on Battistoni. The Massachusetts State Police sent the DNA evidence to Texas to be tested. I'm not 100% sure 
what happened with that DNA evidence. I don't know if they ever tested it or if they did what the outcome was, but I didn't really have much information about that. But Battistoni died in November 2014 at the Lemuel Chautauk Hospital in Jamaica Plain, Boston, Massachusetts. Worcester County District Attorney Joseph Early announced a new person of interest on June 3rd of 2021. So this is just a little over two years ago actually. This person of interest is named Francis P. Sumner Sr. Sumner was a registered sex offender who was known to operate and work at auto repair shops in the Spencer, Leicester, and Worcester areas. Excuse my pronunciation of different areas in Massachusetts. Once again, I'm not from Massachusetts, so I may be pronouncing some of these wrong. But Sumner had more than a 20-page criminal record. This is where the content warning comes in. Um, so if you would like to skip this part, I would suggest skipping like 20 or 30 seconds past this point. But on July 9th of 1982, this is one of the criminal record cases that Sumner was a part of. Sumner was convicted of aggravated rape and kidnapping from an attack the prior October inside an apartment. Sumner hired a woman to clean an apartment and locked the woman in. He choked, threatened to kill the woman, and then raped her. He was sentenced to concurrent sentences of 15 to 18 years on the rape charge and 9 to 10 years on the kidnapping charges. It's not really clear how long Sumner served for this case, which I hope on everything he served as much time as legally allowed because that is several types of messed up. Sumner was incarcerated several times during his life and was found dead inside of his home on May 4th of 2016. He was 71 years old at the time. District Attorney Early did not say how Sumner was connected to the case, but investigators recently received new information that had led them to investigate Sumner Sr. DNA was actually connected from Francis Sumner Jr., the son of Sumner Sr. Sumner Jr. was incarcerated at the London Correctional Institution in Ohio for aggravated robbery. Unfortunately, the DNA from Francis Sumner Jr. did not match the DNA that the investigation held. Molly would be 40 years old today if she was still alive. In 2004, Maggie and Molly's father, John Bish, founded the Molly Bish Center and Foundation in collaboration with Anna Maria College, which you can actually check out the Molly Bish Center and Foundation at mollybishfoundation.com, which will also hopefully be in our show notes. 
Authorities remained focused on Sumner Sr., according to Molly's sister, Heather Bish. The family is not sure why this is the case, but Heather Bish, who was Molly's older sister, had actually chastised early because the DNA did not support the theory of Sumner being the killer. As we know, Sumner Jr. submitted DNA, the DNA did not match. Yet, authorities remain focused on Sumner Sr. for whatever reason. While Sumner Sr. remains a person of interest, the Worcester County District Attorney's Office declined to discuss the DNA evidence, as this remains to be a very active case. We actually have a quote from the Worcester County District Attorney, Joseph Early, who said, quote, Our state police detectives... Prosecutors and victim witness advocates remain dedicated to solving this case and finding justice for Molly's family. The Bish family wants the case moved to the Hamden County District Attorney's Office because that's where the remains were discovered. Early had declined the request, stating that, quote, Everything we can be doing, we are doing. I'm not sure why they don't won't move the case to Hamden County, where Molly's remains were found. But seeing as though this is still a very active case, I'm pretty sure they have very valid reasons to not want to move the case over there yet. But anyone with information is urged to contact the Molly Bish tip line at 508-453-7575. Or email WorcesterDAUnresolved at mass.gov. Once again, these will also be in our show notes if for those of you that are interested. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoyed researching about it. While Molly's case is still unsolved to this day, it is still a very active case. So hopefully we'll get some updates soon so that I can come back with a new update, hopefully in the right direction. Maybe we'll find the killer. Maybe we'll find more evidence of what happened. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to give it a rating on the streaming service that you're listening to this on. And stay tuned for next week, where we will continue to talk about murders and mysteries of New England. Have a great evening. Thank you.